If you are vulnerable to psychic damage from roguish language, stay away from these gibbering mouths. But if you intend on listening to this podcast about enriching your fantastical group hallucinations, you're too far gone already. Your next game is going to be unanimously uniting alliteration. And here's why. In this episode, we find some answers to how can we play games led by the group, not just the GM. And what techniques can draw players in when they're starting to lean out. And what wonders will the GM Tim bring to our games next? Welcome to the Hook and Chance podcast. I'm Travis. And I'm his brother, Jordan. So today we are talking about letting the players lead. This is essential. And to... it's a little harder to get used to when you're, at least when you're starting out as a GM, it's a skill that takes a while. Well, if we're being honest, I got into DMing slash GMing because I'm a power hungry maniac. Yes. And I want to tell my story. <laughs> and I keep trying to slap that out of you. <laughs> So we were recently reminded of how amazing of an experience it can be when a GM encourages the party to just go wild. There's an awesome adventure waiting and let's discover it together rather than that egomaniac style you like to. <laughs> well, and if you can get over yourself for a moment, sometimes you can be surprised by the story that you end up telling. Yeah. And that's when the GM Tim ran a game for us. It was a fast paced heist. It had lots of role playing scenes. It fleshed out our characters really well within that one session, and it was just a really incredible game. Yeah, I felt like he brought us together as players using some awesome techniques. He effortlessly helped us feel more involved in a narrative for a one-shot, which is really hard to do. And overall, he just kept us hooked with every single step of the story. Yeah, and so we demanded that he return to the podcast. <laughs> demanded. <laughs> because there's so much more that we have to learn from him. Now, if you're not familiar with the GM, Tim, we've had him on once before, but he's a professional GM. He runs some fantastic streams, including Star Trek Lost Voyages. And he writes awesome adventures, like a new one that he wrote for D&D. In addition, he's put together a new list of essential sci-fi and fantasy novels for a book club to inspire gamers. That is so huge because I feel like there is so many opportunities for new inspiration for this new generation of gamers. So as described on his website, it's a book club designed to provide players, game masters, and storytellers inspiration through fantasy and science fiction literature that breaks the Eurocentric white male norms of the genres. It's very good. I know that because I'm a part of it. So <laughs> come join us. And thank you for joining us today, GM Tim. Hi, guys. Hello. How's it going? Wonderful. How are you? I'm great. I'm just really proud I remembered you unmute myself. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty impressive. Right time right? everything. I figured out the button and everything. <laughs> <laughs> After Tim's just been giving us advice on how to do our podcast and streaming for the last few minutes. <laughs> Let me tell you more. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for joining us again. Oh my God, thanks for having me. Let's talk a little bit more about the book club. What's going on there? Yeah, 
Yeah, I heard you don't read. No. <laughs> All right. Sorry, if no, you're gonna call me no, out, no, 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 I'll call you out after the book club. The book club's fun. Um, yeah, I, 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 I miss reading. Don't we all? The COVID kind of happened, and so, and so, we were all left with a lot more time than <laughs> I really knew what to do with. So I started reading again, and I'm like, okay, I want to read stuff that inspires me and tries to give me new ideas and new perspectives. And I, I was like, hey, I'll try the Appendix D, which is kind of like that appendix at the back of the D&D books. It's one of the ideas that Gygax used this appendix as his inspiration to create Dungeons and Dragons back in the 70s. And I went and looked at it and there was something like, I think there's something like 40 books. There's one female author and the rest are all white men. And I'm like, mm, no, I'm not, I'm not here for this. I'm not interested I realize I'm judging and I'm not saying any of these authors are bad, nor am I saying that their books are bad. I'm just, I want new. I want more. I want different. Uh, so I spent, I spent, I'm not even exaggerating. I spent two months building this list. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so my, my rules were it had to be gender parity for the authors and it had to have as much diversity as I was able to find in the authors because I figured that it would give me a lot of different points of view and we're three books in and already it's like oh my god I, I don't think I realized what I bargained with and I'm I'm really happy I did it but it's uh it's been a lot of education for me the second book was like particularly difficult for me and then the realization of why it was difficult for you was even more kind of like like it was like oh man I learned way more than I thought I would from this <laughs> fantasy novel and it's like Ugh. but awesome at the same time not like unfortunate just really good yeah that good kind of self-learning where it hurts a little bit in the moment but you're grateful <laughs> it, for it yeah it really did hurt yeah it was a, it's an intense book it was really good but yeah so uh yeah I, I built this book list it's called uh, Appendix Lit I was going to call it It's Lit, Inspiration for <laughs> Telling Stories Literature, but but somebody had already taken it. I'm like, oh, you're done. You're not even using it. It's 2017. Three years ago, you're still not using it. But I'm like, okay, somebody else took it. So I figured Appendix Lit was still kind of like enough of an homage. And Very appropriate. Yes. Yeah. It's an awesome idea because I will admit you know, as somebody who doesn't dive into fantasy literature on a daily basis, as you have so uh, <laughs> so astutely pointed out, that to folks like me, from the surface, it can seem like the fantasy genre in literature is so darn homogenous, but it does take a deeper dive to get into stuff that is really rich and presents some new ideas and new uh, concepts. Yeah, it is. And it's getting more diverse and better. And I figured even D&D, especially this year, has really pushed what they what they used to do for writers and for diversity in their authors. And uh, for the Adventures League, there's lots of there's a lot more diversity than there was. And that's good. Right. Like they're always trying to make strides. And it always feels like later than it is because you make the change now. But the adventure that I wrote, say for this year, uh, for last year, like I wrote it last year, I wrote it months ago and it because of COVID it's delayed. So it doesn't even come out until this year. And it's like, oh man, it's like, so you don't see the change when you think the change is made. So it's kind of like, so I get that. I, I get that you have to wait and you have to be patient and you have to like, okay, we're going to make the change. Now we got to wait for the change. But 
you, you took those first steps. So as long as you keep taking steps, then eventually you won't even notice that the change has happened. Yeah. Like yeah. staying home. If you know, you don't need to go out, <laughs> stay home and you bend the curve. We won't even notice it. And it'll be like, Oh, it didn't work. No, it worked. That's why it worked. It was stay yes. home. Oh, boy. Stay home. <laughs> That's the whole thing. <laughs> and just so you know, the structure of the book club, every month we read a book from Tim's pre-selected list. And at the end of that month, we all just get in a voice chat on discord and talk about it. And Tim's got some questions that'll kind of spur some thoughts on his website as well. So we're only a couple of books in so far in a list of 12. So you still have plenty of time to get in on this. But the first one that Tim put together, but the first one that Tim put on his list was The Candle in the Flame by Nafisa Azad. And it's kind of like a political thriller intrigue novel, but it's got some interesting parts that make it very different. There's more to it than that, but I think the easiest to look at, I don't want to give any spoilers. I'm a big, like, give the base to hook, right? And then yeah. let the rest be explored. And I would say that that's, that's a good way to put it. It's a political intrigue novel with some really good character development. And you could see and smell the world that she existed in, in the book by her writing. Like you, Absolutely. you, you were there, you were drawn in. And I was like, just, oh, this is so good. And the second book that we read, was The Rage of Dragons by Evan Winters, which was a whole different feel to it. She was so angry and so like everything was fighting. And it was like, it was like just an extended scene of, of Game of Thrones, but only the fighting parts. Like that's all it was. It was like, <laughs> what did I get myself into? But somehow every fight was just like, here's, it's going to be more intense in this next one. More and more. <laughs> like there was no, release it just kept going up and up it was it i i struggled with that one and i i admitted that when when we talked about it break down what it made us feel and why it made us feel that and then we get into like the like how would you turn it into a DD game what would the characters be how would you use these as npcs um what what setting would you use what system would you use and so i've i've got the book we're on right now is the library of legends by jenny chang and depending on when this drops uh, the parable of the sower by octavia e butler is the next one i'm really impressed i got them all on my website the gm tim appendix lit and it's good like there's there's uh there's an indigenous author there's one called hench that i'm really excited for it's about uh, all i know and i know very little about these i tried to not spoil <laughs> myself so i know that this woman used to be a henchman for a supervillain, and then he got caught and it's what does she do next and I'm like, that's such a good idea for a story. <laughs> so I'm really excited for that. And then there's, yeah, there's lots. I got some sci-fi in there, Goldilocks, and and the abyss that surrounds us is another one. And the only, I've got only one white male author, and that's uh, William Gibson, and he wrote Agency. And that's the wonderful thing about all of that diversity is just that that one premise, Hench, I can make a and d game out of that premise. Oh. Yeah, and, and that's just it, right? Yeah, it starts to snowball from there. And then all of a sudden you have an incredible game because you reached outside of the, you know, the typical. And if you're not sure if it's going to make an effect on your games, I'll just say that in listening to each of the books so far, the beginning of them has been a struggle and not because the writing had anything wrong with it. It's just for my brain to go into a different type of fantasy world and to kind of experience the culture that they're putting into these books takes me a bit to stretch my mind in a new way, but yeah. it's so satisfying. 
yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. And, and it's part of the reason why I did it. It's exactly that, right? Like I needed to push myself. Um, I needed to make sure that I, th this existed. Um, I wanted to support Canadian authors. So a lot of them are Canadian. Um, and I get all my books from like local, I'm such, a, I feel like such a Vancouverite right now. I'm, they're all local bookstores. And <laughs> I, you know, like, it's like, oh my God. But yeah, like I found some cool uh, book club lists online too. And then I kind of like merged them together and created some of my own stuff and turned it into more of a nerd stuff. So like uh, if the characters were player characters, what would be their race background and class, right? So you've got to like break it down because that's what we I do. I do every time I watch a movie, I'm like, oh, <laughs> totally rolled a one. Like that's, <laughs> yes, yeah. And it doesn't matter what the movie is, right? I can't not do that. Yeah, I'm always looking for ways I can be inspired and and turn it into a story, right? Like I want to write an Eberron series. Cool. But I don't want to tell anyone because this is going to give it away. I'm going to do it anyways. <laughs> I'm going to write an Eberron series called Eberbond. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're telling me about some of this. Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah. So I started doing it with a group of a group I've got. They wanted to do a spy style game. Uh, it's a bunch of 14 year old guys, which I swore I would never do. And I'm really glad I did. But like, I don't think I'll ever do it again. But th these kids are awesome. <laughs> like they're, they're optimizers to the mask and they're pushing all of my limits. Like I'm like, <laughs> I don't know how to run a game for you. You're like killing me here. But they're they're so good, right? So we did Everbond and we fought like supervillains with henchmen named Minmax and Vorpal and uh, <laughs> Crit Hit, right? Like so all the Bond villain style uh bad guys, you turn them into like the DD tropes and then yeah, I'm, I'm making like a, a Bond style, minus the misogyny and the bullshit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just to drop all of that because it's not necessary in a D&D game. Just the good um, bits. Yeah, I'm going way off topic, but I guess this is kind of like, this is, yeah. This is let, what's happening. Let, let people lead, right? This is the letting players lead. This is how you do it. So it's like you just, you ask questions and you keep feeding into that question, right? It's like <laughs> I did with you guys on the heist game. Absolutely. Yeah. So speaking of that, let's get into some of those techniques. Uh, we'll go to the strategy stateroom to do it. This is the strategy stateroom, where inventive and cunning tactics are crafted for when they're needed most. So in this strategy stateroom, we are going to see if we can get Tim to share some of his secrets with us because he ran a game not too long ago. We were humbled to have him join us at our table. Pre-COVID situations, it was a bit of a different time. We were really happy that Tim was one of the last people to play at our table. But when he did, we just had our socks rocked. It was such a cool experience to have Tim there. And we kind of broke down. We, we walked away from that game and we said, what made that game so spectacular? And what made the difference? So we boiled it down, your process, Tim, to keep your players involved in the scenes. You had us all take on NPC roles at multiple stages in the game. And it just was all so natural and flowing and really made us stretch our creativity. Strengthen your players' involvement with every decision. This was essentially just you asking all the right questions to keep us going. 
So hopefully you can shed a little light on how you did that. And finally, get your players involved in the world. There was specifically a couple of improv games that you did at the very start that worked really well to get things going. And we were hoping you'd share those with us. Your first adventure together, that one? Yes. My players call it the Tim game. So I do a variation between that. It depends, it depends on what we're doing. So if we are doing a group where I'm doing a session zero and we're going to do a campaign, then I'll ask each of you uh, like a question about the character next to you. And that becomes part of that character. So you actually kind of create stuff for the next person. But you know, it's got to be like, it kind of builds the trust at the table because you've got to be able to trust each other. You got to be able to trust me and I have to be able to trust you. So you can't look at somebody and go, they're, uh, they're, they're, they're like a total jerk and I hate them, right? You, you don't want to do anything like that. But, but maybe you like, tell me about the time uh, with the noble. So tell me about the time, Travis, when Jordan uh, said that thing to the noble and has he told anyone else that he said that thing or is he keeping it secret? He said, huff my butt. And no, it's remained a secret. And I have to live with that until I die. Take exactly. it to my and, grave. And, and, I, and then I'd look at Jordan and I'd say, okay, tell me about that time when Travis did that thing that made you laugh so hard that mead came out of your nose. He stood on the street and lifted his shirt and exclaimed to everybody he was drunk as shit. There you go. See, and, and, and those two things alone now have tied your characters together where you can pick on each other throughout the rest of the, the adventure. Right. But now you have something solid. It's not something, and it's something that's created. It could be something along the lines of, oh, well, this person grabbed this red candy because he's colorblind and thought it was blue. Now that character is colorblind. And it's not going to affect the real mechanics of the game, but it will definitely bring up some cool play aspects that the character can lean into. Yeah. The other thing that I really enjoyed about this process was that it created things about my character that I didn't go into because I did this when I was a new player. I came into a game with a character that I had finally crafted over the course of about 15 days where they, in a small, dark, hot, sweaty room. And mm -hmm. you're just, you know, you've you've crafted this character that now is so perfectly and finely tuned that if anyone were to do anything or breathe in its direction and change it in any way, it's going to break. It's going to break. And I'm going to feel that. And now right. I'm being forced to just roll with stuff. Loosen up. Well, kind of. So I have lots of people that I consider like um, my icons or my, my mentors. I have, I have people who are kind of like deeply entrenched into D and D and the rest of the kind of like gaming world that I'm just like, you hang out with me. <laughs> right like it's like and at the same time i've got like i got like people who i grew up with gaming I, like I, I talked about him last time brian is my gaming yoda like this guy is like he taught me everything i i know yeah and it might have been him but there was there was a basically the rule is is that there's a there's a box around that front page of that character sheet then that's the one with all your numbers all your feats all your statuses all that stuff and it's a gold box that box cannot be broken, but it's just on the front page. On the back page, that's your background. Now, I'm not going to actually manipulate your background because you spent those four days. However, you have no control over the world around you, and you have just created this character, so you better damn well be able to do the other part of the Tim game, which is this first adventure. Now, rarely do you get the chance to play a first adventure, especially when you're doing a one-shot, but... 
if you're already decided that you've got a bunch of characters, which you all created. So for that game we played together, you all had created characters independently. And you only let me know a day and a half before I finished my character. So I had to come up with a game that was generic enough that you guys were going to be able to like sit down, play together, and we're not going to have any in-character conflicts. So I made one rule. You have to be working together. So you have to create a scenario where within your character, I don't care how my character would act this way. I don't care. You have to work with the other groups. Like you just have to. And then I make you each give me one sentence about your first adventure together. Now you've got a character past for the group, not just for the individual. And it doesn't matter because it won't drastically affect the overall character of the sheet, right? And if somebody said like, well, you know, uh, Billy Bob lost his arm in that big thing. Well, then at this adventure, I better make damn sure that there has been a replacement arm created. So I'll write that down because I can't start a game with you having any mechanical disadvantage unless you instantly go, oh my God, that's awesome. I totally have a whole card. And then I'm going to play into that, right? Because you're coming up with ideas as people are throwing them up. And what I liked about that was it didn't come up or anything like that. Like it wasn't referenced in the gameplay. Like you said, it just instantly connected all of the players. We felt like we had a history already. And the process of doing that was you threw out a simple premise. You had done a heist before this one that we're about to play through. So what were you after? And the first player starts and then the next player kind of takes over that. And how did you... Uh, managed to do that. Well, we got up onto the roof using a catapult. And now all of a sudden, the catapult became a huge part of the game. We went around a couple of times around the table. We'd fleshed out a whole story that had happened in a matter of a couple of minutes. And our stomachs were all sore by the end of that game because we'd laughed so hard about this ridiculous catapult that we, you know, these recurring jokes that would normally take months to create Mm -hmm. in a game of D&D was happening within 20 minutes. To be fair, I don't think Tim even incepted the idea of a heist. I think he built a heist based on our story that we created. So I had I had a totally different, I had like, <laughs> I'm, I'm giving so many secrets away. I feel dirty right now. <laughs> I learned a long time ago that for one shots, unless I have like a published adventure, even one that I've written, you build encounters. So you build a bunch of encounters and you have, small threads that will tie them together. So I need you to get X. Okay, you're gonna get X. So X is an item, a person, a place, doesn't matter, just X. Encounter A will lead to encounter B will lead to encounter C. And you set up about three encounters and getting to X. An encounter can be a really cool trap. It can be a dragon flies overhead. It can be a rust monster attacks you, right? Like it can be anything, but you want them to kind of like loosely lead to each other. So I had these encounters ready to go so that I'm not flipping through the DM's guide and the, and the monster manual going, I don't know what I'm going to throw at you. I'll do this, right? And you still might end up doing that because the players might take you on a trip. But if you have those encounters kind of ready, you've got that backup where I can just throw that werewolf at you and be like, suck on it, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> Um, but as you guys created your background, you created this concept that you guys were like cat burglars. The guy you actually stole that from in the heist was the same guy that you guys robbed that very first night. And you even you even noticed that as you're going in. I threw that in the safe. You pulled it out and you're like, wait, whose name is that? That was the name from like an hour and a half ago. Oh, my <laughs> God, that's the dude, right? Like, yeah. 
Yeah, all of the the in-jokes, the cliffhangers, the twists, the story twists, they all came from just a very quick improv game. Yeah, it has to come from everybody. Like, that's the thing. Like, okay, I will take credit for starting it or for presenting you with the idea. But if the six of you had not fed into it the whole way through and just relinquished that control to each other as well as to me to manipulate it wouldn't have happened. So that's like the number one important. You've got to have that player trust. And that's what I find those questions usually create. The the one friend that you had that played the Tortle Barbarian, that was so good. Like, and the two of them had, you said they had never played before, the Tortle Barbarian. Who was the other one? What did he? He played the Tabaxi Bard, yeah. Was the Tabaxi Bard? Yeah. yeah. And so they're sitting next to each other and I got this Tortle Barbarian who's like, Oh, guys, we're gonna <laughs> go check out this thing. Then he finally rages and he puts on a headband and his 1980s <laughs> montage music playing. And Final Countdown is like rocking in the background. And he's like, oh, I'm gonna get everything. It turns into a WWE, right? And the Debaxi Bard is like, saw it coming, right? Like he just they played into each other so much. It was like, oh my God, where did you guys? Yeah, that was, that was nuts. And that came from that, that adventure because the two of them realized they could trust each other with the ideas that they had for their own characters. They weren't gonna screw each other over. They were gonna feed into it. And as long as you keep feeding it, it's that it's that beauty of yes and. Like you didn't need any no buts. I don't think I said no to you guys once. I think I said yes the whole way through. The thing about yes and is yes and doesn't mean you always have to agree. It means yes and something else is going to happen. So there's always consequences, right? So. Travis ran out into the street and lifted up his shirt and I'm drunk as hell. I'm not going to take it anymore and got arrested. <laughs> and go. now, and now Jordan has to go and rescue him. And how are you going to do that? Right. Maybe Travis will play the extra NPC that I've got that Jordan's going to be helping to get Travis out. So now Travis is still invested in the game, but as a different person, his drunk ass is lying in the bathroom somewhere else. And Jordan has to like really trying to manipulate it. Right. So it's, yeah. And that's getting into that. The next thing that I loved about that game is you had each of our characters play out their own scenes and you had the rest of the players playing the NPCs in those scenes. <laughs> it works so well to keep everybody invested and adding to the story in new ways. So the thing I hate more than anything else at a gaming table is when players make a DM talk to himself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. I hate it for multiple reasons. I hate it because it's super boring for me because now all I'm doing is monologuing with two or three people. Yeah. That's ultra boring. I hate it because as much as I like to think that I have voices, I have about four and they're all <laughs> roughly the same voice. That is as like, it's like they, they're, they're like really angry or they're like really happy or really kind of like whatever, man. Right. Like I have, I'm limited in my voice capabilities. You can't have them meet each other. Right. And if I do, then I just get stuck in that voice for the rest of the damn game. I tried an accent once. Oh God, I went to work with it the next day. It was just like, this is not, <laughs> let's not, can we not do this anymore? And it gets really boring for everyone at the table. It's really boring. Like it's boring for you as players to sit there and watch the DM role play with himself or herself or themselves. Like it's just, no, I don't want, I didn't, I, especially if you're paying me, you're not paying me to watch me play with myself. <laughs> that sounded wrong. You're not watching me. Like it's no, like, you know, you, just, you don't do it. So if I force you guys to play the NPCs, 
then you're still invested. And I told you all to leave. I made each of you leave the room when it was your character's turn. I gave each of the other players just a really brief, here's your race, here's your basic kind of like background. And I used the backgrounds from the D&D books. So you just use a, like a background and a basic job. And here's the kind of like one or two things you know. And then I gave you guys each like a few seconds to ask me questions. And then I brought that player back in with no knowledge of what it was about to happen other than they're about to enter something. And I made each of you leave the room when I did it. That way that player has like a bio break. It helps you as players because we, we can't help but meta, right? We can't help it. So it helps you as players understand where the story needs to go without me saying where the story needs to go. Yeah, it almost as the GM, it's almost like, here, help me for a minute. Be on my side. Right. But I don't tell you that, right? It's not on my side. It's it's not on my side because there should never be sides. I'm a player too. I'm just a different player. And and I know it's semantics. I get that. But it's also, a, it's that semantic leads to a very specific way of playing. Totally. And that's, that's, I'd say, one of the major differences between fifth edition and all the previous editions. Fourth edition started to try and do it as well. It really tried to push that story aspect, like the DM is part of the story, not DM versus player. And fifth really puts that emphasis on the DM is a player, just a different type of player. I think by doing that, it forces you as players to take roles outside of your character in that same story. So you see a different perspective. And then when you come back in as your character, you can't help but use some of that meta but you're going to use it in a way that's like, I'm not using my meta. Yeah, right. But you are like, you just, you can't help it. We're human. It's part of storytelling. You're like, I know what's going to happen. <laughs> right. Like, so the point is, you know, you know, what's going to happen. And so because you know, it's going to happen, you can't help, but kind of like make sure it happened. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. It kind of like you lean into the story instead of pulling away. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I guess to your point of like, fifth edition blending the line between players and gms that technique helps do that it gets everybody into that mindset yeah rather than yeah just leaving them in their own characters i learned it from star wars actually the star wars role-playing game uh, fantasy flight it really lends itself to being narrative so everything you do you have to narrate so it's not a matter of like i hit the stormtroopers or i missed the stormtroopers if the perfect example i have is um you remember in uh, New Hope, Luke is running for the uh, Millennium Falcon and he's shooting back right before Helmet Guy hits the door and, and he's shooting back at the stormtroopers and he misses. So in the roles, he would have had a failure, but he also had something called a triumph. This is another system. So if you don't understand it, you can look it up. Fantasy Flight Games has Edge of the Empire. It's really good. Or the Genesis system. So the triumph means that something spectacular has happened. Now he failed. But he triumphed. So he still didn't succeed in hitting the stormtrooper. But what he did was he hit that little panel on the wall. That would have been a hell of a hard shot to hit like if he had tried. It shut the blast doors and it now gave them time to escape. Triumph. In doing that narration, you allow the player to like maybe fail, but fail forward. And doing so leads into the story. So now they're escaping. Now they have more to do. Now they're not another prison cell game and they can keep going. And, you know, I wonder if. That's where I subconsciously picked up when a player's role and their number lands precariously close to the DC that I have set. Usually I try to hang people on. So 
it's hard mm. to do when somebody rolls a 27 on some kind yeah. of hit. Obviously, they're going to hit, and I'm going to narrate it as such. But when players do uh, get a 17 on a 16, it, it starts as a description of a failure so that I can lead players on only to turn it around. If you guys recall, when we played, you only rolled when it mattered. Everything else you just narrated and I let you do it. There was a lot of things you just said, I'm going to do this. Okay, tell me how. And now you had to come up with characters and how the way your characters interacted and did it, right? I think you actually broke into a room without checking. You climbed a wall without a check. Um, but when people were around or watching, now you have to check. Now you have to make that roll. The dice roll is not important until it is. So I don't need you to roll until I do. So you can tell me anything you're doing until you need to roll that dice. Now I have to have a reason for you rolling that dice. So if I make you roll, even if you fail, I have got to have a why. So why did you fail and what happened because of it? It cannot be a simple, well, you don't climb the wall. Because if I need you to get over that wall, you get over that wall, Yeah. right? Now, if I need you to get over that wall quietly without getting caught, Okay, so now make your check. And if you fail, now you get caught or you get seen and now you've got to come up with another solution or you get somebody who's like, hey, you don't belong here, right? Like until I need you to not belong in that party that you guys went to, you were at a party, you were sneaking in. And until I need you not to belong here, until somebody is like really knows is checking, which I think the servants were like, hey, what are you? And you're like, I'll give you $50, shut up. And you're like, okay. Never mind. <laughs> you belong here, right? And you came up with a way around it, right? But if you'd insisted, if you'd been like, I'm going to tell them I'm a noble and blah, 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 blah. And you did that with a couple people. You guys went in as uh, somebody was a super wealthy. That was where the turtle and the tabaxi came up with their adventure. Yep. The tabaxi was worth money, right? And the turtle was the bodyguard. Yes. And that was all improv. And they came up with that because they wanted to come up with a way to get you in. And they didn't make a check until they lied. Right now it's a, now it's a check. Now you're trying to pull the wool over my eyes. And that's not a matter of me being a DM, but that's, that's how you kind of use that fail forward. Right? So if I had made you check all the way through, like give me a check for walking in and portraying this rich person, make a check for doing this. Now I'm forcing you to potentially fail for no reason. Right. Other than making dice roll that will break that immersion of you having control over what your character is doing. Right, because I'm constantly creating a rebuffle for a rebuffle. Wow. You know what? <laughs> I'm drinking wine. We're keeping it. I like it. Fail forward is basically what I'm saying. Cheers, everybody. I'm having another <laughs> sip. And yeah. <laughs> well, and I agree with you. And it definitely also does something. If I am making my players make a whole bunch of random checks that really are not necessary, it also impacts that trust that you've spent so long establishing. It's not that that whole GM versus the table mentality. It's a, right. we're all here. I want to see what's going to happen next because this is really freaking amusing. Well, yeah, like, especially with you guys, like I had what, we had four hours and I had already gone on a wine tour before coming to see you. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's, let's be completely honest here, right? <laughs> and all I knew was, like we had never actually played together before that night. We'd spent time together and we'd visited, 
when you guys came to Vancouver, like what, two years ago, but we'd never actually really like we chatted until then. So I had only an idea of what to expect. The friend I brought, I knew what she played like. Your other friends, I didn't even know their names until I met them. So I suddenly have this group that I have to like make sure that they have an adventure right away. And so all of that leads into it. And if I had made you roll every single time, all we're doing is rolling dice and I can do that on my own, but it's not <laughs> as much fun, right? Like it's, you want to fail forward. You want to give the players that agency. It's all about the agency. If something interesting is going to happen, then roll the dice, but not just if something bad can happen. Yeah. No, should never be just for bad. Yeah. Never punish your players. Always consequences and consequences don't always have to be bad. Yeah. You don't always suffer the consequences. You sometimes benefit from consequences. And to keep it going forward and keeping everybody giving those ideas, obviously it, it's a specific GMing style too. And the only thing that I could mm -hmm. come up with was the fact that you just kept asking us questions about what's going to happen next rather than like so infrequently did you say this is what happens next because I mm. just came up with it. It goes back to before. So I run, I think, 10 games in a month. And there is no way that I can write 10 adventures, especially when one is like, I have one game every week. I have multiple games every two weeks. I have some games every three weeks and I have some games once a month. And I, there's no way I can write that many adventures, right? I would be a weeping mess all the time instead <laughs> of just, you know, every now and then. So I, I really got to like, find a way to keep my imagination going, which goes back to like the book club, right? That's, I want reasons and ways to see the world in different ways that help me kind of create a world for the players to play in or a story for the adventures to play in. And the best way I learned how to do that was by getting you guys to keep fulfilling your own prophecies. And it's almost kind of like a cheat, but it's, it's not because I still have to be ready for if you're not. Right. So there was a couple of times where at the table, I was like, what happens next? And the rest of you are like, oh, I don't know what the hell happens next. I'm like, okay, well, this happens. So I have to be on the ball and I have to be ready with like, well, you're gonna climb over the wall and give me a check. See, check, now there's a check. If I need that boost for myself, I'm gonna make you make a check. And now I've got an excuse for something negative or something positive to happen. I can create the consequence out of that check. And it kind of re it rejuvenates that, that kind of like that cycle of like, what now, what now, what now? But we all can get into that, like you hit a wall that <laughs> you got to check to get over, right? So, so you, you, if you hit that wall, then you've got to like come up with a way to get new information. And I am but one DM, but I have five or six players at my table that have a different mind than I do. So if I'm not asking you what happens next, I'm doing myself a disservice to the game. And I'm simply just going to exhaust myself trying to come up with all these creative ideas. When instead, I know there's DMs out there who have heard this sentence. Oh my God. Could you imagine if this is what's going to happen next? That would be so great. I know, right? That would be amazing. That would be so cool. I know. I'm so excited. Hey, DM, what's going to happen? And you look at the DM and he's writing notes down behind his screen. That's what's going to happen next. And, and then later on, maybe in a game or two, it'd be like, yeah, and so this happens. And the player's like, oh my God, I totally called it. Oh, Meanwhile, the DM's like, yeah, sucker, you totally called it, yeah. right? Like, that's, <laughs> but that's okay. And, and some people are like, well, that's cheating as a DM. And it's like, well, why? 
My thing is, I'm totally giving away all these secrets. My thing is, I feel like a magician lifting up the curtain right now. <laughs> That's like I, what we're I asking I feel like for. some people are going to be like, what are you doing, Tim? You should be telling my secrets. It's like five brains against one. Like, there's no way. We all have such different lived experiences that there's no way I can come up with the same ideas that you can. It's not possible. We're going to come up with some of the same stuff. There's all there's a reason tropes are tropes, right? Like it's it's ingrained into our culture. And that's the kind of cool part is that's why I picked these books so hard is because if you come up with different cultures, you're going to find different tropes. That's part of the idea, right? And so at the game table, if you're constantly asking the players what next for their own character like you they only get narrative control at my games when you're at a halloween game and you eat the henry bar (laughs) then you get narrative control for a few sentences and you can literally kind of like it's almost like a wish spell it's a dangerous game it's a way for the players to be fully immersed the characters become the story which is the whole damn point of role playing it's r-o-l-e your role playing you're playing a role and if I'm only going to make you R-O-L-L, roll dice, then I'm not doing the name of the damn game, right? Like, I'm not even, like, playing the game properly. And that's the whole point. You know, and by doing that, I kind of force you to also role play. And then you force me to role play. And I just guide the story through. That's why it's a dungeon master. It's like I, I control the dungeon. I don't, And I don't even control the dungeon. I arbitrate the rules. That's, you look at all the names of all the, like, there's game master, dungeon master, storyteller, narrator, arbiter, judge. You're the middle ground. You're supposed to be playing that kind of like overall, you see the whole picture, but that's the point. If you see the whole picture and you see all the different options, then your job is to focus on one, right? It doesn't mean you have to make all of them happen. It means you have to have the players kind of guide in towards one. So if you have five brains at the table, they're all feeding you ideas. You pick one and then you flow with it. Then you draw another one in. You flow it into this. Then you draw another one in, just like a river. Rivers, rivers come from multiple sources. There's a whole bunch of tributaries uh, flowing into a river, and then and then eventually the river gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and then it hits the ocean, right? But as it gets bigger, you're, you're feeding into it. And if it didn't, it wouldn't go anywhere. It would dry up before it reached the ocean. So you need to keep feeding into it. And the only way to do that is by bringing outside sources. So you're one. The Nile doesn't get big because of just the Nile. The Nile gets big because of all the stuff that goes into it. Wow. I came up with like a wicked metaphor there. Where did that come from? Holy Jesus. Nailing it. Take a bow. Right? Uh, Thank you. (laughs) Quite simply, I think it's just playing the game that everyone wants to play. And I love that there's so much trust built at the table. I know we already kind of talked about that, but it means that when you do make those decisions once in a while and you do give a direction when when nobody else can everyone's already trusting you completely to help tell their story so they're gonna go with it and it's the players that are making a lot of the decisions they're telling the stories that you know everybody can be surprised at at the end everyone gets to to be a part of that and be a part of that that building and everyone gets to be a another river feeding the nile right (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> as, as i hear a whole bunch of people like yeah i'll bring it bring it on <laughs> guy ain't got nothing on me nile my ass i'm a boat <laughs> i'm gonna dam up that nile yeah that's right i'm gonna plug that fucker up so good 
<laughs> we will continue this wonderful relationship that we have with the GM Tim and see if we can find more inspiring and interesting ways to GM. Hells yeah. All right. So let's move on to our final segment where we can talk a little bit more about some of your amazing projects that you have in the work, Tim. And it's called The Hero's Stage. This is the hero stage, where fantastic folk have a spotlight turned to them to tell the tales of their adventurous lives. Tim. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about some of the writing projects that you've been working on. Ah, yeah. I'm super excited for uh, Adventures League 10-3. I can't talk much about it because it hasn't been released yet. If you've been playing the uh, Dungeons and Dragons weekends that have been going on, um, then you get a chance to play it. If you're going to go to Winter Fantasy, you get a chance to play it. They're all online game, online conventions right now. And D&D weekends is pretty cool. You can go play. Um, I haven't had a chance to actually run anything at those, but they're, they're running the adventure there. I got memed, guys. Somebody turned me into a meme. What? Oh, I made it! <laughs> <laughs> Bucket list complete. So it's it's that oh, what was that like a mega shark movie? The shark was like it was just stupid big. Yeah, isn't yeah. that what it, it was like called? Bit one of the yeah, I think it was called like Mega Shark, but it like was it called Mega Shark? I don't know. So yeah, the the meme is basically there's a swimmer like racing for the top, and there's a shark chasing after him, and then there's the shark chasing after them both. <laughs> And 10-1 is written by Paige Lyman, and she's like one of the greatest writers. I, I, I like, I, I'm not even saying that because I love her. I'm saying that because she's actually like got top tier adventures. So I got to write in the same series as her and Laura Thompson and Justice Armand. And they're like these amazing writers. And I'm like, I got to write one, guys. Hey, guys, I wrote this adventure. Can I play with you, please? <laughs> and that's literally how I felt the whole time, right? Like, so I wrote this adventure and then somebody put this meme out and I just, it was floating around the net. I didn't even know it existed. And they're like, yeah, here's the player. And then 10-1 is the major shark. And then 10-3 is the Tim shark. I'm like, yes! <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> wow. So yeah, I'm really excited for this adventure. It's, it's, it's evil. It's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a hard adventure. It's fair, but it's hard. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty excited for that. And then uh, um, I'm doing like my streams. So I, I stream Star Trek online every Friday night um, because I need to not run a game. So I just play a game. And so we just kind of turn off our brains and we've got a fleet and it's lots and lots of fun. Come play with us. It's free to play. Um, and then there's uh, Star Trek uh, Lost Voyages, which is my uh, Star Trek adventures uh, stream every second Sunday night. And that one's really fun too. Can you tell me a bit about the structure of that Friday night free to play? Yeah. So Star Trek Online is a free to play MMO. And the reason I love it so much is a Star Trek and I'm kind of a Star Trek. That's my, I'd say that's my IP. That's my favorite IP, uh, intellectual property. Star Trek is probably my number one. And so the fact that it was free to play made it awesome. I, I paid for it, but I don't mind. I, I, <laughs> I felt it was worth it, but you don't need to. You don't need to pay for it for it to be good. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's done well enough that you can play and have fun, and you don't have to pay to win for this one. And so the group of people that I played with, we decided we'd form a fleet because every fleet we joined was filled with people who are like way too intense about it or way too. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> 
we're playing in a mythical world in the future. <laughs> there is no wrong. Like so, so we decided that we are going to play for fun. And so, bold decision. Uh, we, yeah, we just started playing, and we do like a kind of playthrough where we'll talk about what we're doing, and then we just play the adventures, or we play some like task force, which is like the I think in World of Warcraft they're raids. Same oh, kind of yeah. concept where you just do like a mini adventure and you just blow stuff up and fly some ships around. And it's lots of fun. It's super nerdy. And they have some really good stories written. And it's kind of like playing in your own Star Trek adventure episode. Like you play through some of the episodes. They bring some of the actors back as voice actors. You fly around. And as you're flying around, every now and then you hit a new sector. And Leonard Nimoy's voice will talk to you about something. And it's like, <gasps> <laughs> Oh, and they didn't remove it like they've kept it in right so and that's from i've been playing now since it came out 10 years ago and i i haven't stopped and i love it it's super great and so even if it's just kind of like some people like just to play it in the background that's fine it's lots of fun so we'll talk star trek or we'll just talk nerd stuff or we'll talk about everything else and sometimes we just get so invested in the game it's just you see me just staring at the computer i'm like <laughs> <laughs> Tim, you got to talk. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, I'm doing this now, right? Like, oh, sorry, guys. It was fighting stuff, right? Like, um, yeah, and uh, I might, I'm, I'm, I might, we're hoping to start the Roll to Hit podcast up again this year. What? Fingers crossed, everybody. Yeah, it should be super exciting. I mean, we're working on trying to find time. Basically, that's what it is, is time. Yeah. And editing podcasts, for anyone who has never done it, editing podcasts is time consuming. Like, that's, capital letters all the way across bold font 96 point it's not a, a fast thing to do so thank you tim thank you for yeah, saying no, it, <laughs> honestly and and the amount of work people like us do patreon isn't worth it like they're not paying us enough like i'm not i'm not saying that is like pay me pay them more pay people more honestly so anyway. well, you have to do um, it because you want to do it for sure yeah, 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 yeah. You have to do it because you want to do it. It's a, it's a truly a project of love. And that's part of the reason why really good ones are really good. Like that's, well, it's one of the reasons why this podcast is so good is because you guys are invested and, and it's like proper players playing with your DMs. You're like into it and you're here for it. And that's, that's the whole point, right? So, so for my stuff that I do, I decided that I'm only going to stream and or podcast stuff that I can really, really get into. And I will never do it for any of my paid games because it's, it's no one else's business. It's our world. It's mm -hmm. our game. And if you're hiring me for a game, you're hiring me. You're not hiring the world to watch. So that's, that's why I've only got two um, and why I probably won't do too many more. And I stream on Norse Foundry. Um, they're a dice company out of Florida. Uh, they're awesome. Like they're amazing. Go, go, go to the website, norsefoundry.com, uh, promo code the GM Tim. No, just GM Tim. No, the don't worry. Um, we'll uh, we'll put all the links for everything you're talking about yeah, in the yeah, show notes yeah. for sure. Anyways, so yeah, I'm working on that. I'm hoping to even do a book on how to do, how to be a DM because I keep I work at a game store on Sundays in Vancouver, and I keep getting people coming in saying, "Do you have anything that'll teach me how to be a DM?" I hated it when I was a new DM. Like, how do you do this? And they're like, yeah. "Just do it." Oh God, that's never ugh, never tell somebody <laughs> that. Like. How do you fly? Just jump it off the cliff. No, down. No, just. So I want to try and write down like a process and I'll write down my process. And if it doesn't work for you, that's okay. But I figure a lot of DMs don't DM. A lot of people don't DM because they, they see it as this big daunting thing. And so I kind of want to be like, well, here's how I do it. And if you can use any of these things, 
you're already one step closer to doing the D and D. Like, so I want to try and treat it as like a here's how you can run and create a game. And so I'll kind of like do the steps and I'll use the books because that's the best way to do it. And we'll build something together because then you have done it. Now you've done it and you've had somebody guide you through without being there telling you what to do. It's kind of like, here's how you do this. And then you can try it on your own. And that's kind of what I want to do with the DM tales is like roll and create as we go. Um, and then what else do I do? I do the want to play. That's one of my favorite things that I do right now. I do um, 45 second how to's for board games. It's on the strategies, games and hobbies, Instagram, and it's shared also on mine and it's on my YouTube and you can see them on my website at the GM tale. Right, um, we've done 50 games now, I think. Nice. And we got more coming. I think that's all. I think that's all I'm doing. That's a lot. That's, that's plenty, that's Tim. That's all. Yeah, that's, yeah. Right? You can Congrats, take man. a break. Take and a I seat. Work a, and I work a full time job too. <laughs> Jesus, I have no friends. <laughs> now I know why I'm single. Never mind, everybody. I understand it. I got it. Figured it out. Well, not single after this podcast comes out because. Hey. Uh, <laughs> gonna have people running lining up right thank you so much i suppose i suppose it's time to wrap this up <laughs> we can keep going all night i mean we have we have <laughs> the three of us have just like talked on stuff <laughs> you can check out tim and his group as they play star trek lost voyages every second sunday on the norse foundry twitch at 7 30 p.m pacific time you can join that appendix lit by joining the discord but we'll post a, a link for you so you can find it in the show notes you can follow tim if you want to keep up with his uh i think it was 30 dozen projects <laughs> only yeah yeah <laughs> I, at this point i feel like it has to be a made-up number like flevity five yeah. <gasps> i am saying that from now on flevity five it's going on on my notepads <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing more of your wisdom in this episode, Tim. Ah, oh, guys, always, always a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you very much. Thanks to Tabletop Audio for the sound effects you always hear in these episodes. You can follow us on Hook and Chance on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or Reddit. And you can join us in our community of players and DMs, not our they are the community, and they're all wonderful uh, on Discord. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening, listening and, and listen to the GM. <laughs> <laughs>